0: The pile of exam papers on my desk reminded me of the hours of marking that lie ahead. Next to it was an overdue administrative report I needed to fill in for the head of department. I rubbed my temples. Yesterday's headache had come back. Sylvia had woken up as grumpy as she'd gone to bed last night. She hadn't said a word at breakfast, had looked straight through me when I tried to say good morning, had left the apartment without saying goodbye. I'd given up for now trying to tell her what I'd learned about Akmal and her parents. I struggled through the rest of the morning on autopilot. My colleagues could tell something wasn't right, but they knew not to ask questions. Thankfully, the head of department was at a conference in Madrid this week. Around 2 p.m., a call came through. It was a woman from Sylvia's work, one of her colleagues whose name I couldn't remember. Any idea where Sylvia is, she said. What do you mean? She hasn't come in yet. She missed a 10 a.m. meeting and a lunch with a journal from the Independent. No call from her? No email? Why do you think I'm ringing you? Have you tried the landline at home? No reply there, either. Leave it with me, I said. I asked the departmental secretary to find a replacement for my afternoon lecture, saying it was a family emergency. She looked at me dubiously, then nodded. I headed straight home. On the tube, I couldn't stop worrying. As soon as I got to the front door, I knew something was wrong. The door was ajar. There were scratch marks next to the locks. Someone had picked them. I pushed the door open gently and peered in. The light in the hallway was on. Maybe Sylvia was sick and had come home early, although I knew that was unlikely. She worked hard and was highly reliable. She wouldn't have left without telling her colleagues. I walked slowly and silently up the stairs and looked in the kitchen. It was as I'd left it, with the sink full of dirty dishes and the boxes of breakfast cereals still on the table. I crept towards the lounge and let out a small groan of horror. All our CDs and DVDs were strewn on the floor. The TV was overturned and its flat screen smashed. The sofa's leather covering had been sliced to pieces. The photos on the wall had been torn off and ripped up. The books on the shelves were scattered everywhere. I ran to the bedroom and found it in a similar state, with clothes everywhere. The top drawers of the desk had been yanked open, and their contents overturned all over the carpet. Printer paper, pens, socks, t-shirts, more books. The desk lamp was smashed. The bed mattress was ripped, springs sticking out of gaping holes. The landline rang. I went back to the lounge and picked up the wireless handset from among the mess. I put it to my ear. We told you to stay away, Dr. Delamain. I did. Then why did you call Interpol? To tell them I was out. We don't believe you. Who are you? I said. We're people who want you not to nose around in our affairs. Where's Sylvia? In a safe place. Hunt her back, or— Or what, Dr. Delamain? Or I'll... You're not in a position to negotiate. What do you want? I said. From now on, you do as we say, and then, maybe, you'll get your wife back. Sit tight. We'll be in touch. Oh, and thanks for the novel. It's gonna be a good read. The line went dead. I dropped the phone. The descent into hell had begun.